Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, we're off to a time and place oozing with style, with a cast of characters who can beguile, or even be downright vile, and a few twists to leave you in denial. That's right, we're talking 2022's Death on the Nile. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello, hello. Oh, we doubled up. Oh no. I finally made him break. No, I did the exact same thing. I just did it twice. (laughs) We're only going to pay you for one. (laughs) (laughs) Get paid? It's volunteer work. (laughs) What's the old joke about the Roadrunner? They only paid her to record one meet and they played it twice? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, anyways, as we alluded to earlier, we're going to be talking Death on the Nile. The new one, because there is one from 1974. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Murder on the Orient Express from 1973. There is another Death on the Nile. I think it might be 78. It could be 78. I I think Murder on the Orient Express is 74. It has a little loop on the end when I saw it today, and I may have gotten the the numbers wrong. Joel's on the case. Yes. But anyways, while we're double checking I, just, that, I can't and, spell apparently. And it is based on the Agatha Christie novel. Correct. Uh, of uh, the same name. Yes. Following the. Uh, yeah. 78 is the previous ah, one. Okay. Nailed it. Wow. There's a reason I put the year in there when I said that. There's a reason I put the year, year in there. It's almost like I knew what I was doing. Anyway, back to the plot. Mountain Dew was a mistake. So we're going to be talking 2022's Death on the Nile. But before we jump into that, because we love them so much, we're going to have a little chat about boat films. <laughs> That's just, right. Just emphasis boat films. on the boat. Well, not necessarily emphasis on specifically the boat itself. No, 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 no. But the majority of the film has boat, to take boat, place. Boat, 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 no. Boat. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> but the, yeah, the majority of the film has to take place on a boat. Uh, preferably or, or other nautical or, or a, conveyance a round uh, or with a boat correct like so you could if you wanted to pick a submarine film that, that's that okay that is technically a boat it's just a boat that is underwater that is not sunk yet 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 <laughs> so i'm most curious for what joel picked yeah i don't really know i mean like mine's probably pretty easy maybe i don't know so i'm gonna my my choice is an enigma wrapped inside a mystery well In that bacon? means you get to start. <laughs> and bacon. And bacon. Awesome. <laughs> Joel, you're going first. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's unwrap this here mystery. And the bacon. Now, we're eating the bacon, and then we're unwrapping the mystery. And the mystery <laughs> is Sphere. Ooh. Sneaky. The book or the film? The film. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's a good choice. <laughs> that's one of my favorite books. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also a good movie, but that's one of my favorite books. Right. So... Sphere is actually more of a horror film than mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. And it involves this crew of specially selected individuals who, and so like the, the opening of the film kind of has almost your, your heist film feel to it because yeah. it's a whole bunch of specialists in different mm-hmm. fields being specially selected for this mission. And they go in a submarine down to a wreck on the bottom of the ocean where they encounter an artifact of unknown origin that begins messing with their heads and uh, horrific shenanigans ensue. Yeah. Yeah. 
the um, uh, the book has uh, Dustin Hoffman and the book has Dustin. The book has Dustin. <laughs> That's a really cool book. Uh, the film has Dustin Hoffman and yeah, it's a Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> you open it, you whoop. turn the page. Whoop. There he is. <laughs> There's Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. <laughs> It's really thick, though. It's, it's like four it's, feet tall. It's like the, the Harry Potter. I feel like oh, they, they got a cool. full scale Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> well, no, 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 like it's, one it's to two still, No, it's still 500 pages. They're just all pop up. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a technical marvel, but something of a mistake. <laughs> Your scientists spent so much time asking if they could. They never asked if they should. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, Spears. <laughs> we broke it, Andrew. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you make one mistake one time <laughs> and they never forget <laughs> like jackals. So sphere is, is a great um, book and it's un- unfortunately the, um, the film actually got panned pretty hard by critics mm-hmm. uh, mostly because they cut out a lot of the book. There was like the ending of the film itself feels really like, okay, we've just got to end this thing. Yeah. Um, as opposed to really making a salient point. Yeah. Yeah, because like they 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 spent so much time with all of like the the fantastical things that kind of happen early on in the book that mm-hmm. are horrific, and then kind of the final act is just kind of like okay, problem. There's that's that's the fix, and then now they're up up there, and now they're fine. Yeah, and um, uh, but it's I still really like the film a lot. Yeah, but if you if you enjoy, I'll say supernatural horror, um, and and it's not it's not graphic. No, not, not, not really, not no. really. No. So like, it's like, like if you're. Joel is thinking, he's thinking, I'm thinking, <laughs> ding, ding. ding. I was ding, trying ding, to think, ding, what's ding, the ding. event horizon? That event, was the, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's a, it's a fairly decent comp with event horizon, except that event horizon is a lot more graphic. Yes. Yeah. The, like the sphere is basically like PG level. There's only like one or two scenes that are like actually relatively graphic i mean all all alternatingly things are either burning or they are drowning so like that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> more or less what's going on mm-hmm. um okay so steven what what did you pick well i was gonna jump off of that actually because you mentioned the fact that it, it didn't have a great critical reception mm-hmm. so also a film that did not have a great critical reception i'm choosing hook yeah, for, I I I, I never understood that, and that's also another Dustin Hoffman film. It is, and also Dustin it Hoffman. Is, yeah. Yes, <laughs> but so it has a twenty nine percent critics rating on Rotten I've, Tomatoes. I've never understood that. Why? Critics are idiots. So, anyways, this is our review on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, but but no, I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's so so. Hook is uh, I mean, it's Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, uh, a bunch of uh, other names. Um, uh, Sandra Bullock. So, no. no, no. Um, you were so uh, close, but you were so far at the same time. Uh, not Sandra Bullock. The other one that isn't Sandra Bullock. Julia, isn't, Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. That's, that would be not Sandra Bullock. Yes. That's correct. They, Bob like, Hoskins. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Smith. They're very similar. Are they? Yes. No, no, are no, they? no, no. I agree with him. They look nothing alike, and yet they are the same person at the same time. Okay. Well, if you yeah. if you take they, they looks out look, of it, then I don't have as big a well, of an objective. They they both rel- play most of the time kind of the same characters well, they, they competed for basically the same roles in the same era yeah yeah okay i can see it from that yeah. perspective yeah they're yeah, they're, so, they're the two big names of that era right so they Hollywood. would be going back and forth in the same kind of film yeah yeah. Of yeah anyways yeah yeah anyways okay so hook robin williams <laughs> at his peak like this is this is peak robin williams on screen for me yeah because what this was 94 91 91 yeah uh 
basically a older Peter Pan who doesn't know that he is Peter Pan or has forgotten. Uh, so that's kind of the whole shtick kind of, the whole of Neverland. Shtick of how it works, yeah. Uh, Captain Hook comes back for his revenge and kidnaps his children. Captain Hook, of course, has not aged because he is in is Neverland. In Neverland, where you never age. And uh, Peter has to go to save his children and learn about his past and hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's it's just such a powerhouse of that era of film. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, it's a big nostalgia piece for me, right? 91. I mean, yeah. What, like what, eight, nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, wheelhouse for me. And it's, it is also not very graphic, although people do die. Um, yeah, there, there are stabbings. There it are is, stabbings. Swashbuckling occurs. Yes, there is, there is piracy. Well, they have uh, fights on a boat. Yeah. Which is my but tenuous the connection The boat doesn't here. move. Uh, the boat does not move under its own power. However, it is very central because it is essentially Captain Hook's castle that yeah, they yeah, storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the assault on the boat is pretty critical. And a lot of it takes place there. Yeah. Uh, it also has uh, a cameo by Glenn Close. Yes. Yes. She is the, she is the, the pirate the that, one gets that gets put scorpioned. in the boom box at the start in the in the tiny box. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's Glenn Close. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and just a can I, I don't know if she just really wanted to do, but yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that just happens. Yeah. No, it's it's very random. <laughs> hey, very do you want to be in this film, be put into a box and never be seen again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and no speaking lines. As yeah. a, as a. As just like a, a sniveling pirate henchman. Yep. <laughs> who who, who told, said Captain Hook couldn't do it. It couldn't be done. Anyways, <laughs> moving on to Andrew, what you got? Uh, so my film was critically received. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh, oh, oh. Look at Mr. Hoity Toity oh, over here. Hoity over here. Oh, look boy. You got some credentials. You oh, got an Oscar boy. over there? It does. Uh, actually, probably. Oh, see, now you've delayed everything. Yeah, I, well, what, I don't know. What is it? We can um, look it up. Just go. Uh, so this is the 1975 <laughs> Spielberg classic, Jaws. Jaws. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's totally got, it's got to have. Yeah, there's no way it doesn't. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know how the Oscars pick their I mean, stuff. All I know is that they snub anime all the time, so I just <laughs> Oh, well, it. it's, so, okay, so this is, so it's also, you could have relayed this too, because it's also a John Williams score. Hook is also a yep. John Williams score. Uh, I so was yeah, going to say that. It won an Oscar for Best Original Score, Best Sound Mixing, Best Film Editing, and was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So uh, the majority of the climax of the film uh, obviously takes place on a boat and it's kind of the, the quotation marks quintessential man versus nature, which is ultimately just man versus man or man versus himself uh, is, is generally kind of how Maybe. it goes. I, I still that's posit a, that that's, that's a generality that doesn't necessarily hold for the entire genre. But. No, man, man was not required to go out on a boat. He did so because he chose so because it was something that could be conquered. Okay, well, so like, well, but, let me give the synopsis of the movie. Yeah, all right. Okay, so <laughs> it is, um, uh, it is a a vacation town, um, off the coast of the Atlantic, and Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, and it is basically Fourth of July or the the weekend of Fourth of July, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So big. Uh, normally, it's a big tourist town, so this is this is the one time of the year that they get a lot of tourists come in. They get a lot of income. Uh, very important that people have a good time, right? Right. Big so they can be a shark buffet. Correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this great white shark decides that it is a great time for him to have lots of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, that <laughs> for the uh, for the inhabitants uh, and the tourists of this uh, small town, uh, that is not good for them. And it's a uh, shark eat man world out there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, hijinks ensue. Yep. <laughs> and 
and basically at the end of the the film uh there are a a couple of essentially shark hunters that are not really good shark hunters that um uh fight the shark all right that, that is jaws but they don't jump it they do Thanks not they, they do, do not, not jump the shark, shark. Uh, because uh, look honestly like this film even if you watch it now if you if you've never seen it it's 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 relatively graphic. I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely rated R, but um, it is also not necessarily a scary film unless mm-hmm. you're just scared of sharks. And this is, you know, it's kind of one of those things where if you watch it when you're young, you're probably going to be scared of sharks for a, oh, a right, while. Right, this is right. one of those films that teach you about how swimming is bad. I, there is risky. a reason why I don't go swimming in the Atlantic. I don't like sharks oh, and I man. don't like jellyfish. There's also a reason why you don't go to um, dinosaur themed parks where they have live specimens. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, that's essentially what going into the ocean is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jaws is a great film. Um, yeah. If you if you have not seen it, if you have seen it, then you should go watch it again. It's great. There I just go. I just love that my my favorite fact from that film is the you're gonna we're gonna need a bigger boat is a improvised line because mm-hmm. it was a joke thrown around by the whole crew the entire time they were filming because every time that they would go out to film they have to have a boat to film the boat yeah and they're all just packed on this boat and like we need a bigger <laughs> boat yeah <laughs> all righty well i think that uh pretty well covered some boat films some boat there films. are many we we had a there's actually a lot of boat films we had a pre-show discussion about this where there are a lot of films that take place on boats. That could be considered boat films. Or, yes, by the most like, tenuous like, of circumstances. Like you have the one Pirates of the Caribbean film. The only one they the made. The only one they made. In existence. Then you have uh, <laughs> Titanic. You have Star Wars. Wind, uh, stop, stop. <laughs> I, I had to get a reference in there somewhere. Oh, it'll, I'm sure, I'm sure I can find a way to so shoehorn it in there. much time. <laughs> so many opportunities. <laughs> and I'm going to take this opportunity to move us along into the main point of this episode, which is 2022's Death on the Nile. Here we go. So we're going to kick this off. Joel, would you like to give us a synopsis? Synopsis. The unexpected, expected synopsis. Death on the Nile. So this is an adaptation of Agatha Christie's novel by the same name. Mm -hmm. And so we have our hero, Hercule Poirot, who is played by Kenneth Branagh. And this is sort of, this is actually a sequel to the previous Murder on the Orient Express, which was also starred by Kevin Branagh. And Kenneth? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth. Sorry. And we uh, catch up with um, Poirot as he meets up with his friend at the um, pyramids in Cairo. And um, gets invited to go on this wedding party as they are just kind of touring Egypt. Mm-hmm. And uh, as happens around Poirot, um, uh, intrigue occurs and there is a suspicion of intent to do harm as a slighted lover of the, of the husband in the match um, continues to follow them uh, as they go and death and hijinks ensue. Murderous hijinks yep. ensue. Uh, it is in the title. People do die. Yeah, yeah I, it if happens. You, if you tune into the movie expecting that everyone is going to live, you're going to be in for a shock because its first word is death <laughs> on the Nile. <laughs> so what did we give this for a score? So this is our composite score. The three of us aggregated together based across, across the 
four pillars of review, the spectacle, the performance, the score, and the plot. So we gave this film an 8.1 for its technical score. So that very, very solid. solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then moving on to entertainment, because mm-hmm. we kind of break that out, because you could thoroughly enjoy <laughs> poor it'll, films. It'll happen one time, I promise. It, it could. It could. You could thoroughly enjoy terrible films. You could really be uninterested in technical masterpieces. Mm-hmm. In this case, our entertainment score barely changed at an 8.3. So overall, oh, technically, technically very good as far as enjoyment goes. Also very good. Yeah. Slight, yeah. slight improvement there. One day that's going to split dramatically, but that day is not today. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, that, well, that's kind of the, that's kind of the whole thing with, um, with how our, our general like technical review works mm-hmm. is because, because we split it up into basically four quadrants. Uh, it's very rare that you're going to have a movie or a series or a book or whatever that just doesn't meet at least one of those in a decent fashion mm-hmm. oh we can find some they well, also, exist. No, they also, definitely exist also i feel like averaging between the three of us we typically when we it's rare that we all agree on something in a statistically aberrant direction right yeah we, we generally speaking we either all really like it or we're like mixed mm-hmm. it's very rare where one person's like oh i love this and someone else is just slamming the crap out of it i so. can i can recall one yes there were there were there were i think we may have had two episodes. Turning where, red was, where it was just, probably uh, the, the biggest where variation. It, it just, but it ended up pulling everything towards the middle anyway. So yeah. like, yeah, that that's kind of how aggregate's supposed to work. Exactly. Though. So Almost there you works. go. It's it's doing its job. So currently, we are still proceeding under the theory that one day we will have a very different entertainment score <laughs> than technical. Be, it score. will be divergent, <laughs> and we're not doing it, that. Movie. We're not doing we're that. Not movie. doing <laughs> that. Movie. <laughs> Anyways, so what? Uh, we're we're still spoiler free here mm-hmm. so everything is general safe. thoughts Some general thoughts and opinions on the movie so i felt like this film and i'm actually gonna all cards on the table i have not seen murder on the orient express the the new one the new one yeah that mm-hmm. kenneth Branagh yeah, also starred in same one have you um, andrew no i have not but oh seen, we're all in the same boat none of us seen, have seen all 2017 <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> but seeing this film makes me really want to go back and watch that it, one. It I, does. Same. Yes, I, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed this representation of Poirot, and I didn't think that I was going to because the first thing that that struck me as I saw the costume design for Poirot is that is a mustache. <laughs> Boy, is it ever! <laughs> and it just seemed so over the top and so ridiculous that it just put me off. N- me not really realizing and making the connection that that was how the characters described all along in the books is yeah, that they, they toned it down quite a bit in the seventies. Yeah, 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 with the David Suchet. Yeah, where he um, has a little curly cue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, and so he's very like understated. Yeah, so in the old David Suchet representations of Poirot, he is very particular about the mustache. And he's almost neurotic about the mustache, but it's not a ridiculous mustache in and of itself. Yeah, where this Poirot is ridiculous. Yeah, so. The the main thing that I liked about this representation that I felt was new and fresh was the fact that they took pains to give Poirot a character arc. Yeah, the I, I really mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, they they gave him much more of a humanizing element. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so things there were there were elements that they added to the plot which were personally connected to Poirot himself which gave him not not only pulled the audience deeper into the story because the main character is more connected to the events, 
but it also provides a way for him to learn and grow and for you to understand him more as an individual person disconnected from the goings on of this this affair mm-hmm. um and that was very satisfying yeah and yeah. and uh, like towards the end of the film like there's some like truly like emotionally resonant moments yeah. with him um like you know towards the end of the climax of the film where you know you're just like if if they wouldn't have like kind of elaborated on on his character and he like you probably wouldn't really feel anything at all mm-hmm. even if he would have had the same level of acting and performance with it there just wasn't wouldn't be anything there right he'd yeah. just be he'd just be the the enigmatic genius detective yeah. that you can't relate to because he doesn't he's not really human yeah so what's what's interesting is i've seen and also when people have read the book uh because it, this is reasonably it's not the same as the book yeah uh they took a lot of book characters and condensed them into the characters we get in this movie mm-hmm. well and i think whenever you do like a, i'll say a mystery book it you you have to kind of like maybe change who the final killer is. Well, I think it's particularly easy to do that with Agatha Christie because she the way that she writes mystery novels, any one of them could have done it could from have the it. beginning. They all have yeah. a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know where I was going. Oh, that. sorry. I, I completely just different. like well, there's railroaded some, there are actually complaints. So I've seen complaints about the, the book and also the movie too of, oh, I don't need – Poro's backstory. I don't need to know anything about him. But I personally, I think it's it's kind of neat. I, to, yeah, the little the little, especially the start where it's World War One and it's all black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. I, do do okay. more of that in movies, well, please. So I'll say this: uh-huh. um, whenever um, I feel that a lot of the the actual technical construction of the film, besides the actual sh- cinematography, was not that great. Oh no, no, no. I agree uh, there. So the 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 beginning part um, that happens in the film is in black and white, but mm-hmm. it's really just monochrome. There's a big yeah, difference between black and white mm-hmm. monochrome and uh, where basically they just desaturated the film mm-hmm. yeah. that they shot in color where black and white has a completely different style Feel. of texture. Mm-hmm. And I wish that uh, whoever was was doing this either would have pushed for it or, or well, would have known to do it a different way. It, mm-hmm. it, and obviously everything's digital these days they're not filming on a real film yeah real film but the choice was there like mm-hmm. it's not one of those things like oh we already we already filmed it in color in the can and the best we can do is desaturate like you have the option it, it's definitely yeah. still available digitally uh the um the other big biggest issue that i have again was more technical was uh, they unfortunately couldn't shoot in egypt mm-hmm. at all um, for whatever oh, for, for whatever reason, um, either it's money or well, uh, Egyptian now the government doesn't want people shooting there. The production on this was impacted by COVID. Yes. So uh, Orient Express came out in 2017, mm-hmm. and this was slated to come out 2021, tw- late late 2019 into 2020. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so the, it was it had been like moved back to like an early 2020, mm-hmm. and then they kept having yeah, issues. Have to push it back. And yeah, yeah, spilled out. But yeah, the so with them not being able to shoot in Egypt on location, um, there is a lot of very wide sweeping shots of the Egyptian landscape from uh, the 1930 no 37. Thir- yeah, yeah, yeah 1930s. And oh yeah, of course, because World War One. Yeah. Anyways, um, but uh, a lot of the CGI is unfortunately not that great, mm-hmm. and it definitely will take you out of the film if you're mm-hmm. if you're not necessarily prepared for it. Now, 
that doesn't mean that the rest of the film is not worth watching because it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was, there was definitely, cause I've, I'm not familiar with the novel and there was definitely a lot of times where I'm like, Oh, it's totally him. Nope. Definitely not him. Yeah. Well, I, I have a passing familiar with, familiarity with the novel i read it about 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and but it was it was vague enough and there were enough changes Mm -hmm. that i was completely in the same boat yeah there there are a tremendous number of changes honestly in terms of like who the characters are oh okay so um book Mm -hmm. doesn't exist in that book okay so they just add him in there well he he takes the place of just a, a Generic, like Colonel Rankin, I think is his name, something like that. Oh, just okay, a, another character, just, just who a person that Poirot knows, yeah, oh, cool. who would have supported. Yeah, so basically, they carried him over from Orient. I think, I think he's a character in Orient Express. Oh, so and then he, that would he make is, that would make stuff right. Make a little that's more, that's why they know yeah. each other, and he is a character in that book. Oh, but he doesn't come over to. Oh, okay. So I've read Orient Express. Well, I don't think I've read Death in the Isle, but it also felt familiar watching it. Well, now I want to go watch the the other. I really, more. yeah, I really want to go watch. It's, it's the, the first one. you know, it's the, it's the own um, uh, murder MCU, a shared universe <laughs> of murders. Murder, murder MCU. <laughs> literally, it's literally an MCU murder cinematic yeah. universe. See, there you go. Yeah. You got it. This is kind of like what they went for with the uh, League of Gentlemen, the monster. Cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. yeah. So I can confirm that Tom Bateman is credited as playing Book in Murder on the Orient. Oh, yes. cool. But he actually is like, that's a character in the book. Yeah. Whereas this one, they just, they just pulled him they over. They pulled him Yeah. yeah to, Cause like the cast in the book is much bigger yeah. than the movie. So they kind of combine characters mm-hmm. down to make it, which it, and it was still, there was a lot going on. There's a very, lot. Very information-packed mm-hmm. scenes all the way through. Yeah. So, But they did a really good job at keeping the information um, uh, consumable. Where yeah. It didn't feel like they were just throwing information at you. And if you didn't pick it up, well, it's too bad. So yeah, sorry. Because the way that they conveyed the information is not just the companion saying, oh, that's who this is. And they're related in this way. And that's who this is. And mm-hmm. They're related in this way. And there is there are those scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you also got scenes of the characters acting out their relationship to the central characters that are important. Yeah. And so that you could absorb it well, and well, internalize while, it. While Poirot is just you know, sitting in a chair off to the side and he's overhearing these yeah. conversations and he's mm-hmm. picking up information, kind of a, a natural. Yeah. And instead of or, inserting him into the mm-hmm. scene and being a central part of the dialogue and everything, right. and then be like, this is this person where like you just get to see a natural interaction from his perspective, mm-hmm. which, which they, or to him just in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Which they managed to make part of his characterization as well, because he is, he's very reserved and he, he removes himself from interaction with other people until he has an objective and that's when he yep. inserts mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. And, so, and he's pretty aggressive for, mm-hmm. for Poirot, yeah. I, I feel. Like, I, I'm not super familiar with the Agatha Christie Yeah, I don't have a great he, point he of is, reference. Though. Yeah, so like Poirot is an aggressive investigator mm-hmm. from the books, but he's not as, as, um, Trying to think of a good adjective that doesn't give too much away. Belligerent? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, or badgering. He's yeah, kind of badgering. He is he is more badgering, I think, in this representation yeah. uh, than in in most certainly than in the David Suchet. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because in the in, in those, like he's he's a little bit more subdued. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that makes any sense. Right. And in this one, he's portrayed because in, in that one, he's just like, well, maybe he's just weird because he is foreign and doesn't fit into the culture that's being represented. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas in this one, it's very clear that he has neuroses. Yeah. And and then when he has something that he's going after, he's extremely aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Just to echo to Andrew's point, I do think the cinematography is a little weak. There were there were a lot of opportunities for shots that just are kind of missed. But then there are also some really fantastic shots when when they finally get on the boat. Yeah, once once yeah. you get really tight and, mm. and personal, there are some good shots. There's some but, really good shots. But I think but, they missed some moments. And some of it may just be the location that they weren't allowed to yeah. well, or able I mean, to. Unfortunately, everything was shot essentially on a soundstage. Yeah. And, you know, when, with that comes a lot of limitations. Most of the time you're going to see a lot of green screen. You're going to see just if if there is going to be a set, it's going to be very clearly a set. Right. But I will say, though, the the setting is good looking like it has oh, yeah. a good feel for that mm-hmm. era and kind of the wealth and luxury oh, that's yeah. associated Absolutely. with the characters and they do a good job as i think joel mentioned there's a lot of info dump mm-hmm. where you have to pick up on who these characters are but they do a very good job of making almost all the characters very distinct mm-hmm. it's it, there's not really a moment of wait which one is she yeah like you know who the, whether it be yeah, how they true. dress or how they behave they, they are all... Everyone could probably pass the silhouette test. I think so. Pretty, yeah. I think the, the closest issue might be that you have the the former industrialist lady who is like giving her money away. Yeah. And then also the uh, book's mother, the painter. Mm-hmm. Those were the two mm. closest ones that I sometimes was like... But their 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 behavior is, bo- very, is different. very distinct. Right. Uh, so if you just watch them for a moment... Even if they don't pass the silhouette test, if you right. just watch them for a yeah. moment, it's, it's but but no out of all the people yeah. for just having that little bit of overlap, everyone else is pretty well distinct. So it mm-hmm. helps a lot, I think. Yeah. Good day, fellow travelers. The captain has just informed me that spoilers will be visible on the west bank of the river in just a few moments. If that is something that would strain the sensibilities, then may I suggest returning to your cabin? Before you go, if you like what you heard, check out our other content at spoilersintendedpodcast.com. <clears throat> but if, like me, you are looking forward to this most edifying experience, then let us sit together and prepare to use our little gray cells. Eh? Alrighty, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that little intermission because we are back. And in case you didn't get the message, it is all spoilers all the time from here on out. The boat has set sail. And someone might die. Joel, maybe. I haven't spoken yet. I might be dead. <laughs> no, no. I think we're okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, So far. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the wrong theme song. <laughs> Moving forward into our first breakdown of our scoring so we are looking at the spectacle so this is your cinematography the things that make you go wow the feel the emotion of the film yeah setting is going to play a big part in this one as well and andrew you're gonna go first sure uh okay so i gave spectacle a seven okay Mm -hmm. uh i thought that um just overall and i kind of said this um in the pre-spoiler or the no spoiler section of the of the show uh, is the the cinematography is is really good, but the technical achievement of the film is not that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's unfortunately because of COVID and and maybe just because of uh, uh, production costs and everything, they unfortunately could not film 
on location in Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when, now granted, you know, this is 1937, so they'd have to do a ton of digital compositing yeah. and stuff to do it. And maybe that was part of the cost that went along with it. Yeah, it was like, if we sent them there and we still have to do a green screen CGI, why don't we just do, why don't we just do it CGI that way? to yeah. start with? Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of the CGI, there are some actually really beautiful sweeping shots of the Egyptian landscape that, that do happen um, throughout the film that are actually very pretty, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's fake. But then you have these kind of more intimate shots, especially when they go to the, the temple of Abu Simbel, mm-hmm. Simbel, excuse me. Uh, and it is just not, it just doesn't feel real by yeah. any means at all. No. Uh, and it, it takes, it takes you right out of the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, there are some really fantastic cinematography shots when they're on the boat in these really intimate kind of dialogue scenes to where, uh, the actors are on one side of the glass and the, the cameras on the mm-hmm. other and they're kind of panning and the glasses, uh, multifaceted, uh, angles. Mm-hmm. So whenever it's going by, you you know you see like kind of the reflections and uh, you get like double images. Uh, yes, yeah. it's yeah. really cool. And they they do that a couple times, and that you know clearly they were like, "Ooh, this works. We mm-hmm. have to do this a lot." Mm-hmm. And they do it a lot. Um, but in in the film itself, like it, it does look very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, just a lot of the green screaming really kind of pulled me out on scenes where it shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bit where it's kind of like the end of the day and they pull you away from the boat and they just have like this crocodile leap out of the water and like snatch a bird. And it's just kind of like, I know you're going we, for like this, we need that? this metaphor <laughs> so, of like de- death amidst beauty. But like at the same time, <laughs> there had to be a better way to CGI this, right? Okay, yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and take it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I gave it an eight out of 10. Okay. And I'm I'm going to pick up what you just said because that was one of my huge positives. Is the they, <laughs> a couple of times where they had the alligator snatching the bird? They had a fish eating a smaller fish. No, or, yeah, no, that's there was not, there was an underwater one. Yeah, that so spoilers. Clearly, you were wrong, the, the Joel. Fish, no, because because Laura and I debated this, and we rewound it to double check. The fish is not grabbing. That's what I assume because they'd already done it. It's actually the wadded up handkerchief that has the gun in it that he throws over. Oh, oh, so it's it's just it's the, the okay scarf and stuff gotcha. that they pull back up but anyway i thought that because i i really enjoyed the reminder to keep up the tension in the audience oh, no. of their violence is about to happen don't get cozy yeah. because death is just around the corner and here's some for you to watch no i <laughs> i, I love i love the idea of yeah. that but yes it's very beautiful and luxurious but here's the death i just the actual cgi of the crocodile was not good and it was a little off-putting. The, I mean, like, I didn't, I actually didn't look up the budget for this film. Um, but, uh, you know, like, it's... There I are mean, limitations. Like, there are definitely limitations. And, I like, it's one of those things where I don't really, because of the genre of the film, I don't think it really matters. Like, it, because it was still, like, it, it was never egregious enough because they, it was just consistent the whole time of like, there is CGI here. There is always going to be CGI yeah. here. So once you get used to that, then, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But there, yeah. Steven? I, I thought you were looking at budget. Well, I was. It, uh, IMDb has an estimated budget of $55 million. That's quite low. It's actually pretty low. Yeah. So they, they really saved money not sending them to Egypt. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. So <laughs> I gave Spectacle an eight, mostly because I felt like the the era and the luxury 
mm-hmm. that they hit the the tone of that and the feel of that they hit consistently from the nightclub to the the kind of like wedding venue hotel mm-hmm. to the actual which was beautiful. All of that was just and that was as far as I know just all CGI. Um, <laughs> but like it 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 had the feel for that post World War One pre World War Two. Sure, there's been a depression, but like these are like the ultra wealthy, mm-hmm. where, where it just doesn't matter. Yeah, they're just kind of above that sense, and they're not. You know, you, as you learn throughout the movie, there are people they're, there they're not who are not it. immune to it. Uh, but the the core group is, mm-hmm. and just kind of that reflection. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great. I think that hit really well. I like those that kind of. I, I, don't, I hesitate to call it a period piece because I don't know if you really consider it. I wouldn't one. really consider it a period piece, but they, but you know, it's the same sort of feel that you get from other. I mean, totally different movie, but like the Mummy, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same era of Egypt, mm-hmm. like yeah. The same setting and stuff, and it has the exact same kind of feel. And that's for some people, may that would be a negative, but for me, that's a good thing. Like that's that you're coming through, and it felt consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. So that was probably my biggest selling point. Yeah, and then. Yeah, like you, you know, you already you already took it from me. The good shots through the glass, and there's a couple shots through kind of like a, a grating or like a wire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a couple of those scattered in. The boat itself was like a really good piece of scenery because they could kind of move around it. Sometimes really just like, oh, I'm just a person walking down the, the mm-hmm. place I'm supposed to be, and other times putting the camera in places where you wouldn't naturally be. Yeah, I will say the the boat felt smaller, or basically much larger. Than it felt when you looked at it from the outside, mm-hmm. like like all of the rooms that they were in felt too large for a boat. Yeah, but then whenever you zoomed out, I was like, that boat looks really small. But it's also really hard to get a good sense of space when you consider that the camera has to be in the space. Yeah, yeah. and so it just for me, I always find that there's it's it's hard to judge how large. A space is just from the but, camera shot. But also, there's, there's not that many people on that boat. Like it's that is true. It it may look small from the outside, but it's definitely not running at full capacity. They essentially they have it to themselves yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for that stretch, which is you know kind of a key point. Yeah. So I guess I, I think we've we've pretty well hit it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So moving forward on to the performance. So this yep. is what are we getting from these actors on screen? I started. You get to go. Oh, I, oh, I'm going to go first yeah. here? All right. I'm that, curious. Uh, I gave it an eight. Okay. You know, I think uh, there are several really good performances. Uh, I can't pronounce anybody's name because I will just brutalize it, but uh, Branagh? Kenneth? Oh, Kenneth. Kenneth, Kenneth yeah. Branagh. Yeah, as, as Poirot. I think he was really good. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think Gal Gadot is a Gal really, Gadot. Gal Gadot. See, like I said, I'm not pronouncing <laughs> his name right. Is a really wonderful choice up to a point because, you know, spoilers, at some point you just kind of lose her as a character and that actually kind of hurts them a little bit. Well, so she's, she's honestly a fantastic actress, but then she also has just this air of wealth mm-hmm. because she, I mean, like, I mean, she plays an Amazonian woman yeah. Well, I think in this one, she pulls off the the timeless beauty kind yeah. of thing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe if I want to throw in, you know, an, a negative here, I, I don't, and it's not even performance wise, but I just don't know. I really didn't expect Army Hammer to still be getting work in Hollywood <laughs> after his uh, 
scandal type stuff that yeah. came out. Uh, so I was really shocked just to see him on screen. He was like, oh, what are you there, doing there here? There he is. And he's, yeah, you're, you're kind of scummy and that's, yeah, I guess that's good for you, but wh- what are you doing here? <laughs> well, I, I don't know how long ago it was whenever all that happened. It's possible that he was already cast and they were already done with a lot of the filming. And he's just in there. And yeah, and that's true because this was a, a really stretched out production mm-hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, that one that one really threw me. Uh, there's There's another one that I would, mention but i'm gonna let y'all take a crack at it first okay joel can go i guess yeah so i i thought that the kind of the primary four characters um you know jacqueline de belfort uh simon doyle mm-hmm. book and poirot i thought all of those performances were really really good no they're really good mm-hmm. um and and for me like the the supporting cast didn't weren't shouldering nearly as much as those four. Mm-hmm. And whereas most of those were also really good. Uh, I, I gave, I guess I skipped over saying what I gave it, but I gave it a nine okay. out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that out of the supporting cast, really um, uh, a special mention ought to be made for uh, uh, Annette Benning and uh, Sophie Okonito. And, um, and that was, that was Book's, mother and then the mother of his love interest right those, those two actresses i thought uh, the, the, the otterborn the, the, yeah. the performer salome yes yes otterborn is her last um, name yeah but i would just a cool last name <laughs> i would actually disagree with you and i'd say that i think gal gadot was one of the weaker parts of the film um well because she she to me came across as someone pretending to be a person as right, opposed to coming across as that person. And she was pretending really well, but mm-hmm. like she still felt like she was pretending. Well, for you, it's a gain then that so, she was uh, <laughs> removed yeah. from, from consideration. Well, I mean, like, so I, I actually agree. I had her down as kind of one of the weaker, mm-hmm, weaker okay. aspects of the film. Um, just because like, like she, she, she fits the, the, the visual the of, yeah. of this, you know, uh, very high wealth, elegant, timeless, you know, beauty. Uh, but she also kind of does have wide eyes a lot of times whenever mm-hmm. she's, especially when she's talking to Poirot, where it just doesn't really feel like there's a lot, like there's not, she's kind of more talking at him. Right. Kind of thing. Anyway, you can continue. I was just agreeing. No, so I was, I was going to say my, my other complaint was in the portrayal of the love interest by Letitia Wright. Um, she was just, I don't know. She was, she was a very, she was a sassy and aggressive character. Mm-hmm. And that was appropriate because, like, she was managing her aunt's business. Yeah. And so, like, she's interfacing with people trying to make sure she doesn't get cheated and yeah. gets her money and all this stuff. So, like, that that makes sense and it was appropriate for the character. But the way that she did it didn't feel like it belonged in that movie. Like, it was just a big tonal shift from everything else, including the way that her aunt was aggressive because her aunt was very aggressive too, but in a much more more refined Mm -hmm. way. Um, So that, that I don't think was necessarily a performance issue as much as it was a style. Yeah. Disagreement. Maybe like a, maybe like a directing choice or Mm -hmm. something in Mm -hmm. there. Andrew. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So Joel kind of took a lot of my points, uh, (laughs) but I gave it a nine out of 10. Um, I, I honestly thought uh, pretty much like the, the core cast was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really liked Book's character. Uh, he, especially at the end, you know, like just the, the kind of tragedy of him 
you know, trying to make a life for himself and his love interest Mm -hmm. um, out of, you know, unfortunately a crime of opportunity Mm -hmm. and um, um, and then being um, unceremoniously killed by uh, by Jacqueline um, just feels, you know, it 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 definitely um, felt really bad because I didn't I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 I don't want this. And that and that pulls you as the audience and borrows character deeper into it, yeah. which yeah. is it's just a really twist good. to put you in denial. Well, you know, because uh, so, no. well, so basically, up to up to this point, like you know, you, like death on the Nile, we already know someone's going to die. Yeah, so it's happened. So yeah. the first person that dies, Gal Gadot. You're like, okay, we know that someone's going yeah. to die. It just had to be her. Go figure, because she's the rich person that everyone has a connection to. That's mm-hmm. kind of how it works. Then I was like, it's got to be the maid. Has to be the maid. <laughs> maid dies. And I'm like, it's not the maid. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's the husband. And uh, and then you know, so whenever he's having the interview with Book and um uh, and the husband there, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, it's clearly not the husband yeah. because he's here. And then Book gets shot, and I'm like, oh no, I have no idea who it could be yeah because you know like at this point uh and this is what makes the what made the movie really fun for me was that you know because Jacqueline had already been essentially um uh, uh oh my gosh removed from, re- removed from suspicion kind of kind of rehabilitated from, almost yeah. yeah and so you're like well it can't be her mm-hmm. and you know then obviously it was but yeah. uh so um I really thought um Salome's character was just great like she she really fit the um like the the deep south like uh, louisiana mm-hmm. um just performer that that had seen everything you know she's like oh i've i've had lots of husbands mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and, so, oh go ahead so do you, so so do you know what other character she's played in something that we've quite seen recently, recently she played swan sanche the Amerlin seat in yes. mm-hmm. wheel of time yeah yes and it was honestly pretty fun to watch her have something that's like decent to work with yeah i mean like, <laughs> like honestly well, like oh she's got something to do here yeah she she had a lot she had a lot of range with this and you could really feel that um especially with her uh interview um mm-hmm. or interrogation i guess with with Poirot, um whenever you know he's like hey can you take off the hat and she was like you know what's under here yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well her, her niece objects and she's like he's he's not asking a question he already knows what this is yeah yeah <laughs> Um, uh, the, probably the weakest part for me was, uh, and I've actually seen, um, uh, Emma McKay, uh, who was Jacqueline. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen her, she was in, um, I think a Netflix series called uh, sex education. She's like one of the main characters mm-hmm. in that. And, uh, she did a fantastic job with that. Um, this one, she felt like she just kind of only got one note for most of the film until pretty much at the end where it was more of like a, um, wolf in sheep's clothing mm-hmm. kind of thing to where like she was she was definitely acting to be more or, or less obsessive mm-hmm. yeah. um i thought she did crazy really well like yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of people here who you could say were kind of one note mm-hmm. which is kind of Our army hammer is definitely one of them yeah but but it's kind of necessary right you can only have you need a core of where you have some nuance mm-hmm. and the rest of it's there as you know stable pieces where you know yeah. what they are uh, because you have such a, a large cast to go through for a whodunit uh, to get through. They all have to kind of represent who they are and, and stick to that throughout. Yeah. Uh, and I think she did a, a really great job as just crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's totally fair. Because she she had it down patch. She's <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one that people, uh, you neither of y'all hit on, and I was curious if you would, uh, Russell Brand. 
as yeah, Wendelsham. It was funny whenever we were we were started watching it and like we saw the doctor and I'm like, is that is that Russell Brand? Mm-hmm. What is he doing here? So so I was actually looking at the cast and kind of scrolling down. I scrolled past his phone. And I stopped and I scrolled back. I was like. Who are was you? Was he in the film? Was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're the doctor? Wait, you're the doctor? Yeah, he did not look like what a, Russell, like Sarah, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like what a 180 degree change. And I, yeah, I, I, I marked it as kind of a positive because like it's, it's neat to see him do something that isn't, you know. Just a, a joke. Being him, yeah. basically. Uh, he was maybe a little too wooden for it. I think he was maybe trying a little too hard, mm-hmm. but it's, it is neat to see him in something that isn't kind of like a cast. Yeah. Role. I'm not, what am I? Typecast. There we typecast. go. Yeah, yeah. Before, <laughs> where he's just committed to, he's always going to be forgetting Sarah Marshall, yeah. Russell Brand. So, um, okay. So we're going to move on to the score mm-hmm. of the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Andy wants this one. Uh, no, no, Joel can start because oh. he hasn't started a single thing. I yet. haven't. It's, it's been terrible. Oh, it's just a tragedy. Been, yeah. So it's like we're, so much we're trying to kill going. him. Oh, goodness. In the review. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. We, we're firmly in the second act. This is where somebody gets bumped. Uh, <laughs> so I gave the score an eight. I thought that generally speaking, the, uh, the orchestral arrangements evoked the the feeling mm. of being in Egypt. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they were very sweeping. There was a lot of dramatic tension, mm-hmm. um, especially before the murder occurs to where, you know, you know, we talked about how the cinematography was pointing to, remember, don't get comfortable. Someone's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, the music was also doing the same thing. Yeah. And so that is really, really fun when that's executed well as this was. The There were no themes that I can point to. There, there weren't no. any like light motifs yeah. or, or any callbacks or anything. And and that is a style choice which theoretically one should not punish them for, but I have done so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um I because like in order to really push past an eight in my mind and get to the upper echelons mm. of being this is amazing, I want to be humming that a few weeks later and not know why I'm it, yeah, you, you know, need, you need yeah. something that, that punches through. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. or, or something that that uh, basically brings you so far into the story that even if it's not something like like Dune that you can just like hum mm-hmm. when you're just walking around. Ah, <laughs> 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 but yeah, so like like so maybe you need some instruments along with you, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> just bring your didgeridoo. It'll be fine. Yeah. Just bring the sandworm along with you. It's fine. <laughs> just vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> God. But, but yeah, um, okay, so I, I guess I'll go. I, I also it. gave it an eight. Mm-hmm. And Joel took every single point that oh, I had. Yeah. Literally oh, yeah. every one. Um, yeah, because basically. So it's my turn to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, essentially, I just said that there was no use of light, light motifs. There was no callbacks, um, which is generally why I kind of knocked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual score was was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, like, especially the those really big, wide-open CGI shots of, <laughs> uh, of Egypt. It really did feel like, like, it it elevated the the relatively mm-hmm. poor CGI mm-hmm. into something a little bit more than what it probably should have been. Yeah. Yeah, they had that moment of, what did, what did they do in Lord of the Rings? Because it was all CGI, right? Like, how do they make, oh, the music was good. Oh, you put something in there, man. Do something. Yeah. Well, and the music was really good. <laughs> that was. Yeah. Uh, you can go, Joel. Or Steven. Oh, no. I've been demoted. That wasn't demoted. I'm going to go wrap so, myself in bandages so y'all, I got burned. Y'all both, uh, <laughs> y'all both handed out eights for, you know, 
kind of some dings here about the lack of the light motif, nothing really to drive it up there. And you know, I see your points and I looked at this and I said, I gave it a nine. Ooh. Okay. And I knew this was probably going to happen because while I agree that the, the orchestra, you know, the kind of the background mm-hmm. stuff is really good and it does a good job of one selling tension, right? Yeah. That was, and especially in points well, where with a, with a murder mystery, you have you to have, have to. you have to build yes. tension. Yeah. Well, and you know, cause we've already referenced Dune, you have the, the, the sandworm devouring the crawler. Like, that is a a very obvious danger. And like, yes, it should be tense. You almost don't need music there to mm-hmm. sell tension. Whereas this, it's a casual conversation about a contract. You need the music there to hit and tell you, hey, this is a pressure point. And they did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that came through. But I think for me, what pushes it up is the use of the uh, the bluesy music. Oh man, the, the it was blues so good. and the jazz. I was, was, was going to give you that one. Yeah, I, I appreciate. <laughs> it. I, I figured. I would probably still have it out there for me. Uh, but yeah, that for me, because, you know, I love some jazz. Well, and, and it was always going to hit. And just the the actual, I mean, like her voice was just oh, fantastic. Great. Yeah. But but for that scene and that setting as a, you know, in movie music, right? Mm-hmm. Not something that's just occurring for the audience. It's perfect yeah. because it's perfect for the people who are consuming it. Perfect for her reason for being there. So in the book, she's actually a novelist. Oh. Yeah. So, no, I'm glad that they made that change. Yeah, no, I think it was. It's much more interesting, right? Well, well, because music. I mean, music is so important to everyday life. It is. It is the one of the core communicators mm-hmm. for everyone. Well, and especially that era where there's still you know oppression and, mm-hmm. and overt oppression yeah. going on. One of the avenues for success was through music, right? Yep. Like that's a that's something that actually really fits it very well. Mm, yeah. Uh, especially going to uh, France, essentially somewhere that's a little more, was a little more uh, forward thinking, I mm-hmm. guess, for the time. Uh, but yeah, no, I, that, the music just hits so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Well, and it, it, it also plays into um, uh, like those kind of prejudice, prejudices and everything plays into possible reasons why they would maybe be interested in, in murdering Gal Gadot. Well, or or also, why do you want to bring them along? Why do you want to ensure that they come along with you? Well, it's easier to throw suspicion on them than it would be on the the rich white yep. lady or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Yep. So, so yeah, I, it it plays in really well for all that. But I ultimately, the music that we gained from it mm-hmm. was totally worth it. From that that first scene, very, uh, you know, crime noir feel. Yeah, him dude, going into yeah. the jazz bar, get you know, he gets his desserts, and you get a little bit of. <laughs> About him, but then you just have this music going, just, oh, yeah, this is what I'm here for. Yep. So moving forward now into the plot. This is a whodunit, people. The plot is- Is, is pretty much the, the main part. Kind of important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Who hasn't gone first lately? Uh, I guess me? Yeah, you? go for it. No, I don't go know. Go for it. Uh, so I give it an eight. Okay. Uh, the, I thought, so, you know, kind of like I, I said earlier- uh, during performance was there was a lot of times where I was, you know, genuinely trying to figure out who the murderer could be. Yeah. And, you know, going through every, all of the information that we have had so far up until, you know, basically the final reveal was I, there, I don't know who it could be. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy when it comes to like picking up on like little hints and clues and everything. And I thought they did a fantastic job at, keeping you in the dark with just enough information and just enough um, uh, potential guilt that you could throw on to, to people mm-hmm. that you've seen of like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's totally him, you mm-hmm. know. And I thought it was great. 
the the big thing that that really pulled me out, and and this is probably more of a, a Stephen answer slash question, oh, is no. um, the basically the double suicide at the end. Could a twenty two actually do that with that with that small going of a going through center mass? That would be so hard because yeah, it would have to not have nicked any of the ribs. That's yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. Yeah, like, I don't. If I don't. It, if it went through like all just essentially like, quotation mark meat or flesh. Yeah, and yeah. like and like it, reaching around another person and pointing the gun back at yourself the way that that shot was made. It's so hard to aim. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's that's a film thing. Like yeah. there is because if you, you you think about shooting through his back, okay, mm-hmm. that's that's a decent amount of muscle, right? Then you have to hit is presumably a large artery or the heart. Well, at that point, you guarantee rib cage, and yeah. then in order to get to her, you have to get through her rib cage. Like yeah. there's to, to, to so provide a fatal no shot. So correct, yeah. correct me if I am wrong, but isn't there a double suicide at the end of the book as well? I don't know. I haven't. See, I've all, all I, I saw I, was I looked for differences, yeah. but I haven't read it. So I I think that there was a and people, you know what, listeners absolutely lambast me and correct us. Uh, <laughs> but I think that there was a double suicide in the book and I think that it was she shot through his head into hers or something. So and, it was, it was the would, heads that's, involved. That's and that would be totally possible. Yeah. yeah. Because, because <laughs> well, it's, it, it's it, still hard with a 22. And I, I don't know what weapon was used in for the that book. in the book. Yeah. Because, right? I mean, there is a, even in the movie, there is a 45 If there, there was a 45, no question. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that you could actually reach around someone and, and, and still shoot pull with them, yeah. the trigger. Like, I don't well, think... Well, you'd, you'd have to use your thumb and you'd have, you have to, yeah, like, you have to literally hold it backwards, backwards. But I, that's such a hard thing to do. Yeah. But, but at least then the power would be there, right? Mm. But, but that's, that was really the biggest thing that I got because, you know, I was watching it and I was like, okay, well, they're, you know, clearly like these, they're both, you know, uh, pretty mentally deranged at this point. Mm. And, uh, you know, the only way out is for mm-hmm. them to just, you know, yeah. die. Mm-hmm. And, and then whenever she, she shoots him, I was like, but that was a 22. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. You could make the argument. So, cause the way the gun set up, I believe is it's kind of like a, uh, like a pop canister. So it has four rounds in it. I think it has two. Mm-mm. No. Two of four. Yeah. They, they do make a point about how many bullets have been oh, used. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm pretty sure it's, oh, you're like, right, you're right, it's, right. it's a four barrel. So you could maybe make an argument that if you just pop all those off he's definitely dead oh yeah 100 percent. like there's no and, and like at the, that point it's so much power in one place maybe yeah we're yeah i don't know, I don't know. that's it, it was questionable yeah mm-hmm. but you know for what it was I, I actually didn't like jump all over it i just kind of was like yeah, okay yeah well i mean i still gave it an eight like yeah. the rest of the film i i absolutely loved for like the plot because like it absolutely kept me guessing and trying to figure out who it was and it you know it's it's one of those things where you know as you get further on in the film you hit these kind of moments where you're just like well at this point because of the people that they've that they've interacted with and stuff it really could only be like maybe one or two people mm-hmm. yeah and but then you know then you have stuff that exonerates them from earlier murders mm-hmm. that you know that that kind of push it in different directions and they did a good job with that I yeah. thought yeah well I'm gonna jump in sure. after this because Andrew was you know talking about how it kept him guessing and all this other. Uh, I gave plot a seven mm-hmm. because it, it didn't keep me guessing. Uh, well, fine. <laughs> I know. And like, I, I am a I simpleton. I'm no, sorry. No, no. I, so I was saying this. I don't want to make that kind of thing. It just, it kind of felt, so it, it rode this weird line of sometimes you have to make things kind of obvious for the viewer that isn't obvious for the characters, right? So then you have this, this, oh, we have a clue of what could be going yeah. on. 
And a lot of times you need that as either misdirection or it needs to just be some small part of it. And they didn't do a great job with that. I think they made it a little too obvious. And then when you have the moments that are kind of obscure where the, the genius detective picks up on it and we maybe don't, like it was there, but maybe we missed it or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I think they missed on that a little bit where some of his accusations felt unearned, uh, especially like the whole, like, oh, you attempt made the attempt at the temple with a pickaxe wedging off a piece of the top of the mm -hmm. temple. Like, there's no way to know that. That that was pure, just a speculative thing. Like, I don't think anyone ever gave anything that could have given us away. He wasn't outside to see it. And counterpoint on that, prior to that accusation, he had been going around and just throwing outrageous accusations and that, in people's faces. Maybe that's faces just one that lands. As a strategy mm -hmm. to see how they would react. Right. So, like, you know, well, you and, can make an argument. And, yeah. and with that, too, like, because the scene of, the, of him trying to get her to sign the contract mm -hmm. happened right before that. No, it did. And so... But, but there's no... Theoretically, if the contract is meant to be a trap, then there's no benefit for him killing or even accidentally killing her prior to that contract being signed. I mean, right? Totally fair. Uh, so my my big throws, I guess, for this was well, they had the whole thing about oh, well, she keeps showing up where we are, right? And initially, it's like oh, that could be that could be him. It could be mm -hmm. the maid, right? Because theoretically, she should know the travel plans. Yeah. Right? So those are two big. Who's like bringing her in, right? Mm -hmm. And then. It shifted when they go to the boat. Yeah. Because Simon is the one who says, we're doing the boat, right? Hey, I got the the speedboat. We're going out to the boat. This yeah. is our thing. And then it's like, well, she got a ticket beforehand. Like, okay, well, it has to be him because he's the only one that pushed them to go to the boat. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, so, so I guess I didn't pick up on that. So then they had the whole thing about the red paint. Which, as soon as they said, "Oh, well, I missed my red paint," yeah. I was like, well, there's a murder. That one, I, that's that one factor. for sure was a little too heavy-handed. And then when he is initially shot by her in the leg, as soon as he falls on the sofa and grabs his leg, he has a napkin in his hand. Yeah. So, so you uh -huh. know, well, I mean, immediately I, I picked that up on there. Yeah, yeah. That, that one. But the thing is, that actually led me off on a red herring too, because I was like, okay, the doctor has inspected him. The doctor has to be in on See, it. See, that's that <laughs> yeah. that got me a little too because I and I. I guess it's maybe, it's not really a performance thing. I really, it kind of was weird to have the doctor be like, throw out the forensic details mm -hmm. of like, oh, well, there's, you know, like, I was like, kind of like expecting the detective to be the one making those because that's not necessarily a doctor's mm -hmm. purview. I mean, well, if he was a war doctor, he. Well, I don't, that's, I, I, I mean, don't, he, I don't he know went he like was, all around yeah. to like poor, yeah, poor so, areas. I mean, like the, maybe. The, he, he'd possibly see gunshot I, wounds. Yeah, and, I, you can, you can throw it. I just would have thought that maybe there would have been a little better interaction between Poirot and himself there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's what is what it is. It just, to me, uh, that initial string of things, and then when they put it together at the end, felt a little absurdist of him, like, running down the whole length of the boat to murder his wife, the, to run all the way back down the length of the boat. And it's like, I, I get that you could probably cover the distance. It's not that big a boat, but God dang, I bet that was loud. <laughs> Well, you know, if you if you had all of this kind of chaos going on, then you know people wouldn't notice it hypothetically. In theory, but, yeah. But I do agree that him, you know, basically <laughs> running the length, yeah. uh, up and down the boat was probably a little much. And then, and then time to shoot myself in the leg, and then you know, like, yeah, like lay here for a doctor's inspection and not just be like sweating because I just sprinted a three hundred meter <laughs> run in the desert. Well, you can you can be out of breath. And it'd be totally oh, no, passed no, off just as shock. I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. 
So I gave the plot an eight. Okay. Um, I, I generally agree. I'm a little less on the, the details that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree on the red paint. That one was kind of like was a, in, was a in big, the face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I thought in general, the kind of touching on the themes of the film, it was, it was really interesting how much they leaned into kind of showing the excesses of the obscenely wealthy mm-hmm. angle of it, because it wasn't just a, we're living a glamorous lifestyle and we have rented out this boat. It was a, the way that it was presented was we can throw all of the booze on the boat in the, in the river. It doesn't matter because money is just nothing. It's irrelevant. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was a really interesting theme that they harped on a lot mm-hmm. throughout the film that I'm not, I don't think is in the original piece. I don't um, I say. It, it, at least not as an overt theme. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that was really interesting. It, it really colored the emotional experience for me. Well, and it also, it brought the maid to the fore, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Especially with her having the initial scene with the, the Tiffany's necklace where she's kind of halfway trying it on. It's, it's the kind of wealth she's never really going to touch. Yeah. Yeah. But she has that moment with it and, oh, I could, this could be This my could life, be me. Right? Yeah. This is, this is what I'm surrounded by all mm-hmm. the time, but I'm not allowed to participate in it. So you can definitely see the angle, right, of, of well, we're going to blame the butler for this murder, right? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, then it even kind of hammers down, like, after, um, after she gets, or after Gal Gadot gets murdered, and then they're kind of interrogating her, and, and you know, basically, she reveals that, um, that Lizzie had essentially paid off Lynette, L- Lynette yeah. um, has basically paid off one of, you know, basically one of her suitors, just because she didn't want her to leave. go leave mm-hmm. where, and then she was like, she could have just given that to me in a dowry or, you know, something. And that literally could have changed my life. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's in, in that kind of, uh, that kind of thing, you know, especially for essentially a servant at that time is just such a, it's such a slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I don't. Yeah, don't. no, you can continue. No. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, that was really it it took what was otherwise a solid whodunit mm-hmm. with some really interesting character connection and growth in the um, in the detective protagonist, and then also slapped on uh, a, a a an intriguing dose of social commentary on there that I just wasn't expecting. And so that was like an extra layer of oh, I like that. Yeah. Um. And uh, then other than that, my <laughs> my main complaint. <laughs> Uh, as much as I really liked the flashback and getting a a little bit of insight into Poirot's neuroses mm-hmm. and allowing him space to grow and by the end of the film decide that it is worth taking a chance on human connection, the the scar on his lip being the reason for the mustache and the visual design of said scar was really poor. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan. It, for one thing, the scar that they had in the two scenes in which it was present was larger than the mustache. Yes, correct. Would not have been it's covered efficient. by yeah. that mustache. And two, if you if you destroy skin to that degree, it, it doesn't grow hair. It doesn't it grow, grow hair. hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the the um, when we were watching it, uh, and like not even like the first you know the first scene mm-hmm. after he reveals that he's, mm-hmm. his whole face his whole face is scarred, Holly Liz just says. But he can't grow a mustache. Yeah. yeah. He has all the scar tissue. Yeah. yeah. And then, 
Next scene, big mustache. Yep. <laughs> and like you could almost make the argument that he's like let some of what's above the scar kind of mm-hmm. grow down to cover it, but then it just looks really like way more weird than what he had. Which what he had, I was like, I could totally pull that off. <laughs> uh, Lauren would kill me, but I could totally do it. You, you have the most fantastic mustache. Oh it's man, I would. Fantastic's not the right word. It's fabulous. fabulous. <laughs> I would. I would. Well, it's like a two-tiered mustache. Yeah. yeah, like it flares out and then goes down and flares back out. Yeah, or if it's... I have a little little like multi-tier wedding cake for a mustache. <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, there's like there there was a dude that made a bird cage out of his own beard. It's true. That's he was the bird. A little <laughs> horrifying. It did exist. It has happened. You can look it up. There are beard oh, I, I know. competitions. I know there are. I know. Believe I'm me. sure there are mustache competitions there as well. There are. There absolutely are. Anyways, back to <laughs> the thing we're reviewing. Uh, <laughs> we're so, reviewing so the maybe, mustache. So maybe some positive from me. I really like the bit where you can see Poirot figuring out the way the blood splattered from when the maid was murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of placing his hand because I felt like while there were some elements of him listening to conversations and the bit with the ledger that kind of gave you some clues as to what he's doing as a detective. Mm -hmm. For the most part, the audience outside of like the interrogation technique didn't really get a lot of like detectiving. They didn't really get a moment of him thinking through. There wasn't a lot of detecting. Yeah. And then he had that moment. I was like, okay, cool. That like that is concrete. I, I can look at this and say. He's looking, he's saying someone this height was standing here because it, it interrupted the blood splatter. Well, so from my from my understanding, Poirot is basically the the same detective level as like Sherlock Holmes. Yes. To where yeah. he has the the very same like neurotic level of of attention to detail. Well where he he basically essentially has an eidetic memory. So mm-hmm. so the issue there is with Sherlock Holmes, you always have Watson there to ask him how yeah and then he tells him and now the we as the audience know poirot doesn't have he doesn't have a, a sidekick to to play off well, of in in the david Suset representation they they gave him a watson like they literally they, yeah, gave him to, a watson. because they have yeah. to <laughs> yeah. so it's it's more of a challenge on the directing and the cinematography to have him in a scene and then focus the viewer's eye on the key point mm-hmm. right and i i think they didn't always do a great job with that they did in the specific scene i'm referencing that hit and i was like oh, okay cool there's one like i've been looking for these things throughout the movie and i haven't been getting them mm-hmm. and it's kind of concerning because it means that when he does his big reveal it's not going to feel very earned which is kind of how i felt uh let's see another nitpick so <laughs> book gets shot with the 45 right yeah you and i rewound it it's definitively the 45 muzzle yep because i questioned it because the wound he takes is just it looks just like the 22 22. (laughs) and yeah i get it you gotta make your rating and it can't be gory pg-13 can't just blow his head off or something like that's not gonna fly but well then just shoot him in the chest yeah yeah like like do something else you don't have to put this perfect little bullet through Through his, his throat through his larynx so he can't keep talking just shoot him in the chest uh, I, that felt weird, especially because, again, n- having looked at it and knowing that that's not something that happens in the book per se, mm-hmm. it's not Book there, it's somebody else. I don't know if that person gets murdered or not, but still, like, why that? Just shoot him in the chest. And then <laughs> we have this pursuit scene, right, where the, the it's Jacqueline, but we don't know it. Yeah. No, she's firing the gun and you hear it run out, right? Click, click, click. Yep. And then she throws it down. Well, then in the final scene where he does the reveal, he has it and he fires it off. It's like, did, 
did you go to the other dude and be like, yo, I need to reload this? <laughs> like, wh- what? <laughs> well, no, it, that's, it's entirely possible that some um, that someone on the boat, uh, like maybe a servant or the captain or something, I mean, also oh, yeah. has ammunition available for a forty five. And it's, it's because, a, 1911. It's really common. Yeah, like I was going to say, it's, it's a relatively common mm-hmm. caliber of, of sidearm for security-ish purposes, yeah. well, especially US, around that time. The US, it's the U.S. military standard issue, so therefore it's just all over the world because it's going through the U.S. military. Exactly, basically. yeah. Uh, it just, it was, it threw me off because I thought it was going to be a big plot point that it's empty, right? I was ready for a clue, you know, one plus two plus one plus three, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing here. Uh, and that didn't happen. So I kind of threw me off. Like, it makes sense. Hey, I'm going to confront all these people in one room. I, I need a gun. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, like, did you, where'd you get the bullets from? I just, just give me something there. A little, little something. Like, have them all be shocked. I thought it was empty, right? Like, come on. <laughs> Uh, so that's and that's minor, but it's for well, these. Well, it's possible that it could have jammed, and that's possible. Oh, that it seems, wasn't. That seems weak. I, again, I'm I'm just making yeah. just random so, random accusations. So here. just going going <laughs> off, just seeing what what your reaction is. <laughs> go, going off my memory of it on the deck when it's when he comes upon after it's been thrown down. I I don't think it was actually uh, empty. Mm-hmm. The slide wasn't back. Yeah, the slide wasn't. Yeah. Back. it was just a it was just a prop gun sitting there. So, but that also wouldn't, if it was jammed, it would also be somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. presumably. Well, I mean, I mean, the magazine could have jammed. It could have. <laughs> we, we can make these excuses all we want, but <laughs> it, it was weird and just one of those things where they don't give you backing for it. And again, in this type of movie, a whodunit. No, look, no, look. A gun is a black box. There is no way to know what goes on okay, inside that works. thing. It's magic, right? Magic. <laughs> Magnus, how do they work? How do they work? Uh, but it's just for for these types of scripts where everything is really tightly written and you're you know they're they're throwing out clues to everyone trying to give you these things. It just felt like kind of a miss to just have this, just yeah. Like what's going yeah, on? Yeah, no, that's totally yeah. fair. So that's I don't know. That's my nitpicks. That's yeah. that's as much as I can give. Other than I actually I really think it's funny. I totally just let it pass that she just double shot them with a twenty two. I was just like, <laughs> whatever, man. Yeah. As you brought up, I was like, yeah, they did do that. So we continue to talk. Did you have anything else to add to plot, Joel? I did. Oh, I I thought that the the conclusion with the double suicide was really satisfying from a character <laughs> from a character writing perspective. I'm going to go back and clip that. The conclusion of the arc with the double suicide was really satisfying. That's it. That's, that's it. I'm getting taken away from this whole episode because the the you you learn in that scene that your entire characterization of Jacqueline that mm-hmm. you've gotten over this is an act, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, so she's not the crazy jilted lover. Mm-hmm. And then with that one action, she relays to the audience, no, I wasn't really acting that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 to me, that was really satisfying because she was the 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 brains behind the operation. Mm-hmm. She was the will behind the operation. Uh, he was kind of a stooge mm-hmm, and yeah. and he went out like one. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like basically my, my biggest part for that was just the fact that it was a 22. Sure. And yeah. it, it may not have been physically Me- possible. Mechanically, there were issues. Yeah. But conceptually, but, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So moving on to the entertainment. Yes. Uh, of said film. You want to go? I'm sure. I guess Why not. Uh, so I gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, 
enjoy murder mysteries because yeah. uh, I, I like, you know, figuring it out and, and trying to trying to see, you know, obviously, you know, a second viewing will be mm-hmm. a little bit of um, of a harder sell if I'm watching it with people that already know what's going to happen. Yeah. So the entertainment now comes from watching it with people who haven't seen it that aren't familiar with what's going to happen. You're, you're like a book reader on the day that the wet red wedding episode was released. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that was a good day. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, that, it's, it's one of those things where you, now you kind of live vicariously through other mm-hmm. people's enjoyment of it. Yeah. And uh, so for that, like I would absolutely watch it again if it was with someone else that also enjoyed murder mysteries that hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'll go. I'll, I'll let Joel have final word here. All right. Uh, I gave it an eight, which is pretty high marks. Uh, you know, I I nitpicked a little because mm-hmm. it's kind of funny, but I like this type of movie because you can go back and rewatch it and you you can look for other clues. Yeah, and and you you get to pick out like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. Yep, there it is, right mm-hmm. there. Because there was there was another thing where he got to kind of show off the brilliance about the nail polish, about recognizing that the maid forgot the nail polish and she always wears red, so he had to steal the paint. And that was good because that, you know, like, I don't, I'm not paying attention to her nails. Mm-hmm. It goes right past. So, yep. like, the fact that they went back and highlighted her hand for you and that was cool. Mm-hmm. And seeing maybe a few other moments, if you can find them, I don't know if they exist or not, like, in, either in the conversations or whatever else, uh, is always kind of fun. And, I mean, it was entertaining enough that I watched it and I was like, well, now I have to watch, you know, Murder on the Orient Express because I, I really like the portrayal of Poirot here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I can't pronounce his name. Poirot? Perot, I'm just keep butchering it. It's Poirot. fine. Poirot. 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 There you go. Poirot. Once again, Poirot. that Paris cafe core <laughs> is just looking up. They can hear it. I'm mad about from it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty entertaining. It, it, the movie went on by and I didn't, you know, I didn't ever have that moment of, gosh, how long is this thing? You know? Yeah. That's always a good feeling whenever you're watching and a that's, movie and that's you don't think about how long mm-hmm. the movie is. Yeah. Joel? So I also gave it an eight. Okay. Uh, I, I think that in order to have a lot of rewatch value for a mystery, because most of the enjoyment comes inherently from discovering it for the first time, yeah. mm-hmm. you have to have extra elements in there that kind of hold it up on their own. Mm-hmm. And I think that this one had that in, in abundance. There was, there was all of the, the great performances that we talked about. There were the interesting themes and the character progression for Poirot specifically. Yeah. Uh, I think in general, though, there was this did not reach the heights of tension that I would necessarily want from a movie of this pacing. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And where it, it gets to the end of the film and like like something like dune or blade runner 2049 where you get to the end of the film and you're like okay i can breathe for the first time in <laughs> yeah. two and a half hours or like right? a 19 yeah this one didn't yeah. have that it was yeah. kind of more of like a chill mm-hmm. and so i i think that that's an experience that i was missing from this one mm-hmm. and and so that's the biggest thing that i would knock it for in terms of entertainment yeah, yeah that's that's fair that's something that i didn't necessarily pick up on that i needed but now you said it yeah i kind of needed that <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is, I think, a a pretty solid recap and review. And I believe that is all we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. 
If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash podcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.